Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the word. Open your Bibles to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel today, we've been learning how to be overcomers. Uh, and we want to do that in 2 Samuel chapter 23. And we're looking at David's mighty men. It's called Secrets of Success, kind of a leadership uh, series. And we're really going to talk about some leadership stuff a little bit today, but in the next two weeks uh, after Vision Sunday, and then we'll finish the series. It's one of the coolest chapters, in my opinion, in the Bible, uh, especially if you're a, you're a man or a guy, you like, uh, you like that kind of stuff, action movies kind of guy. Then you probably like the, the Gospel of Mark, because that's what he's about. But in the Old Testament, you're going to like David. This chapter tells us about uh, some of the, the special team forces of Israel, and these guys were no joke. And so we've been learning how they have went from underdogs to overcomers, because we talked a whole, a whole week about being underdogs, which I need to make a correction. Uh, I said that Rocky Balboa was from New York. He's actually from Philly, okay, so my bad. Uh, has someone from the East Coast brothers. I don't know why I said New York, but Phil, he's from Philly. Amen. So go back two weeks ago and you'll probably uh, see that message. But we talked about being an underdog to an overcomer and it kind of fits with Detroit Lions. It's just amazing how this is all coming together. Amen. So, uh, but 2 Samuel, let's go 23, verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men. This is Joshaheb, which is called Adino, the Esnite. Verse 9 is what we're looking at today. After him was Eleazar. We call him Eli. Everybody say Eli. This is our guy today. He's the son of Dodo. I don't think you made fun of this guy, though. The Ahohite. And now an Ahohite is a descendant of the tribe of Benjamin. He's a Benjamite. Benjamites were known for being left-handed, but very skilled warriors. How many left-handers do we have in the building today? Or on, if you're online, amen, say, I'm left-handed. Okay, awesome. This is you. You found yourself in the Bible. These were the most skilled left-handed warriors ever. I mean, the Bible says that they could, they could do some awesome stuff. There's an army of 700 of them that were all left-handed people. It was just amazing. And so he, this guy was probably left-handed. It's going to make sense here as we go. He's one of the three mighty men. So David had 32 mighty special ops guys. Then he had a tier of three, and he was one of the three. And he defied the Philistines. Philistines represents the world. Philistines represents the culture that is against the things of God. So he came, he defied the culture. Defied means to publicly disobey, to publicly come against. He publicly went against the Philistines who gathered there for battle. And look what happened to the other armies of Israel. The men of Israel retreated. But he arose and he attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary. Everybody say weary. And his hand stuck to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the people returned after him. And they, re they got their plunder and their things back. We're going to learn a very valuable lesson today from Eleazar. And that is to overcome weariness. We'll talk about overcoming weariness today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, you've already been ministering in the service and in our gathering today. Thank you for the, the river of God that brings refreshing and strength 
the Spirit of God. We thank you for his presence and for being here. God, I know you're with us. I pray we would receive this word. Help me to minister this word to your people today because I know many are weary. And as your word says, do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, we will reap if we faint not. And Lord, I know some of them need, some of us need that scripture today. Be reminded of that today because we're growing weary. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated today. Weariness. So we looked last week at, at Adino. Adino was a man that taught us and showed us how to overcome overwhelming odds. And as I said last week, with or without God, you're going to face overwhelming odds. It's just life. This is a broken world. You're going to find yourself sooner or later in position in, in a position that is overwhelming to you. And I'm, I told you last week, it's better to face them with God because not only can you face them, but you can overcome them. God wants you to overcome the odds no matter what you feel or what's going on in your life. And so Adino taught us that. But today is Eleazar or Eli, and he talks about something else that we're also going to face, and that is weariness. That's weariness, not being tired, but being weary. All of us will face weariness. Some of you are feeling weary probably right now. I talk to many, and, you know, it's, it's part of life. And on Wednesday nights, we're talking about angels and demons, and we learned that it's actually part of spiritual warfare that the Bible predicts in late, latter times that the enemy will unleash this heaviness spiritually, it says in Daniel, and he will wear out the saints of God. He will wear out the saints of God. And so it will happen. Sooner or later, you and I will face weariness, in, and it's tired from the inside, if I can say it like that. That's what I'm talking about. Not just needing a nap. I'm talking about weariness in your spirit, toiling and, and struggling and wrestling with same issues. And I, I can handle new oppositions, right? But sometimes when you face the same problem, like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, it wasn't a new problem. It was the same problem. And I've found that whenever you fight the same problem, you have the same argument in your marriage. You have the same argument with your teenager or co-worker and it's the same issue that you face at your company and over if it's the same issue how many know that seems to just wear you out weariness weariness well I want to minister this to you today and I love the very first song that we sung I did not tell Steve to sing the songs the very first song was come all you who are weary Good to see Bill here. I saw him on the guitar. You blessed me. I know you had a long drive this morning. And uh, thank all of you for being here. It was really, roads were crazy today. So I know we got a, a lot of folks stayed home, which is fine, and, and watch the service. Um, but you can be weary. You can be weary of winter. How many are weary of winter? Amen. Come on. <laughs> the first thing, I got to get into this. The first thing I want you to write down and know is that it's not wrong to be weary. It's not wrong to be weary. You're not doing anything. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. You can have faith and still be fatigued. You can have faith and still be fatigued. Just because you're fatigued, it doesn't mean you don't have faith. 
We have this thing in our culture, it's like this uh, self-guilt that we have, that we don't like to admit that, we're, that we need a break or that we're resting, right? You ask somebody, how you're doing? I, I found this out. People go, oh, I'm doing good. I'm working. Busy, busy, busy. Work, work, work. And we think in our mind that if we say that, I do it too, you know, in, in our minds, we, we think it makes us a good person, right, or, or a better person. We associate taking a break or being tired, weakness, uh, weariness with weakness. We, we feel guilty for taking a vacation. We, we feel guilty for just saying, you know what, I'm just going to chill and take a break. I just need a break. We, we have a tendency to not do that and not be honest with people. We're always, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed, position to prosper. No, you're not. You're weary. You're tired. You're barely hanging on. And it's this self-condemning that we have. I think it's an American thing, being around a little bit around the world. I've noticed other cultures ain't that way. I remember we went to Honduras, and it was a joke because we went down there so many times on missions trips, and we had this joke that uh, everything was 40 minutes because uh, we would need a ride to go to church or a ride to go to the orphanage or whatever. And uh, Julio was our driver, and the church would always say, oh, we'll be there in a minute. And it ended up being 40 minutes. And so we had this joke, right, 40 minutes. Because here's the thing, they don't wear watches over there. It's one thing Julio told me. He said, the big difference, we don't wear watches. We don't let time dig. We all have responsibilities. They got jobs. But when you're off work, they take their watch off. It, we're not driven by time. And they're just like, it's about family. Hey, amigo. And they're just chill. And we're like this. What are you talking about? We got to go. You know, we're, look, we're looking at our phone. And they're like, chill. It's a. Dios te bendiga. Como esta? Mucho gusto. What's the matter? You all right? And, and, and it's, you get back into America. And I remember coming back from the mission trips. And we would be so chill. And be like, yeah, God is good. And then we get here. Oh, my gosh. We got to go. Did you see that? You get on the road. It's like, Whoa. It's okay to be weary. I remember I got this job at Intamins years ago, and my first position was a route writer. was like a guy that they called when someone called in sick. They would call me. I did that like a fill-in and take vacations, and it was a full-time position. But I would get a call at like at 1 in the morning. You had to be at work at 3.30 or 4. And so they were like, hey, you're going to get calls. And I was like, okay. I remember I first started, I got a call like at 1 o'clock, and I remember answering that phone. I was like, yeah, Hello? Like I was awake, and I got in, and my boss said, were you awake? And I was like, yeah. I, I just felt like I had to show him that, what, I never sleep? That's the dumbest thing ever. But, but we get that in our mind. We're, we're afraid to say, no, no. And it comes into the church world even more so in the secular world because we got God, and we got the Holy Spirit, and we got the Word of God. And so we're not supposed to be talking. But I'm here to tell you, number one, it's okay if you're weary. It's okay if you feel fatigued in your spirit. It's okay. What is not okay is what we do when we're weary. Weariness is okay, but what we do when we're weary is what matters. That's the message. That's where we're going with this today. Every leader, and if you're in leadership, because everybody is a leader, this is a lesson you gotta learn. You gotta learn to handle fatigue well. You got to hear me, married man. You got to hear me, married mom. You got to learn how to handle weariness well because it's going to come in different forms, especially when you start having kids. Come on, parents. I watched my Miranda and Tyler. They have a little man. I love him. He's, 
he's adorable, but I'm watching, there are new parents, and man, he is nonstop. He's like a little Tasmanian devil when he comes to the house. He's got the fastest hands you've ever seen. I mean, just faster than Jared Goff. I mean, they're like, <laughs> and it's like 24-7. No, 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 no. And sometimes he'll look, he'll turn around, he's over there, fast, fast, and I watch it. You know, it's a weird to have kids. It's weird to do that, but, and we get tired in life, but what we do when we're fatigued is what matters. You got to learn to handle it well. Just give you one example before we look at Eleazar today. Is all through the Bible, people got weary. Esau would be probably the poster child for what not to do when you get weary. If you don't know, in Genesis, I think it's in Genesis 25, it tells us the story of two twin brothers. One's a hunter, one's an outdoorsman. His name is Esau. His brother was not an outdoorsman. He hung around mama and he liked to cook, your scripture says. It's exactly what he was. He was a mama's boy. He dwelt among the tents and he liked to cook. And Esau was completely opposite. And so they had a little tension there between the two. But Esau, the Bible, he's forever known for this. Even in the New Testament, he, the Bible warns us not to be like Esau. Because here's what Esau did. He got hungry, and he was weary, and he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Genesis 25, 30 tells us, and Esau said, please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. I am weary. And it says that Esau sold his birthright. He sold his entire future. He didn't even think about his entire future because if he was so weary, all he thought about was right then and there. as a bowl of soup over his inheritance. That's what not to do. Oh, if I had time, I'd take you over to Jesus because Jesus also got weary and he went to Samaria and he sat by the well and the Bible says, and Jesus grew weary from the journey. I told you it's not wrong to be weary because Jesus wasn't wrong, right? He did everything right, but he grew weary from the journey in John 4, and I love that little story. You guys know it's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. It's the woman at the well. What a way to frame that. But he, in that story, it says that he grew weary and he sat down next to Jacob's well. And it has in parentheses, because I always wonder what was Jesus tired from? Yeah, it was a long physical walk, but I think he also grew weary just from his disciples. It actually says in John 4 that he sent his disciples into town to get some food. I think it was like, I had enough of y'all. You're just comparing yourself with each other. You're just arguing. You, you have a problem with everything I do. I'm just, I'm just tired of y'all. Y'all go to town, go in and get some five guys, I always say, amen, and, and, and do this. And John 4, but it says he grew weary and he sat down. I think we might even have that scripture. He said he sat down next to a well. I think he was also weary because of the Pharisees. Could you imagine the Bible says that these religious leaders would come early to the synagogue every time he taught. They came early and got a front row seat, watch this, just to catch him in his words. Could you imagine that you've got somebody critiquing you 24-7 all the time? That's got to get weary. How many know somebody in your life that corrects you when you mispronounce a word? Oh, there's a lot of you. Hey, man. I'll post something, and my, my, my daughters will say, Dad, go fix your post. You misspelled it. So I'm okay, because, you know, I'm a pastor. I, I, then I have a friend who's got master's degrees. I mean, he's, he's one of the most educated pastors I know. And if you ever read his messages on Facebook, it's like this dude don't even know how to spell. And I always remind my daughters, look, if he could misspell, I can misspell a word. 
These Pharisees took it to the next step, though. They critiqued him and everything that he did. It says he grew weary. Let me, see, let me say this before we get into Eleazar, because I didn't do notice that in this story, it says he sat next to Jacob's well. And the Holy Spirit was just telling me, reminding me that Jacob's well was handed down to him from his father. And I just wonder what we are handing down to our kids and showing them what we do when we're weary. Just gonna sit down for a second, I'm weary. Camera guys, bless your hearts. I would hate to follow my preaching. You gotta get tired sometimes and Jesus sat down next to the well because what you do when you're weary is what matters. This weariness takes leaders out of leadership. People say, you know, so let, let's get into it because I gotta get into this. Because I know we have, we have life groups starting and we have what's called going deeper. And our going, if you're in a going deeper life group, what they do is they take our Sunday sermon messages and they go deeper with them. So, hey, if you're in them, you're going to really pick. I hope you pick this one apart. So I pray, God, what can I give our life groups when they get around the word and they unpack this? Or what, what do I say? And so what I did is I said, uh, what would I do? What, could, what would e, e, Eleazar say if I could go back in time and ask him how he, did he overcome weariness? That, that's what I said to myself. Because Eleazar, he overcame weariness. He did it. And so if I would be able to go back in time and say, hey, yo, brother Eli, how did you make it through your weariness? And that's what the Lord gave me these. And so I want to give you as many of them as I can. How did you overcome weariness? Because remember at the end of that verse, it says, and the Lord brought about a great victory. How many would love to make that your life verse for 2024? No matter what you go through, by the end of the year, the tagline will be, and the Lord brought you through a great victory. Come on, you believe that? I want that. And if I would ask Eleazar that, I would say, how did you overcome that? I believe the first thing he would say, and this was the word, he would say, you must tighten your grip to become one with the word. Eleazar, he became one with the word. And this was that prophetic word this morning. It was so amazing that Sister Debbie said that the Lord showed her that we've got to let go of some things, our burdens to the Lord. And I said, that's going to go with my message because here's the message, guys. Guys, let go of those burdens, but also tighten your grip to the word of God. That's what the Lord really wants to, someone to hear that today. Eleazar would say, I tightened my grip so tight against that sword that it became a part of who I was. You couldn't tell where his hand ended and where the sword began. He held so tight. The Bible says that it stuck to his hand. They had to pry it out of his hand. How many know that this right here is our sword? This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the word of God. The Bible says that this is the sword of our spirit, the sword of our spirit, of the spirit. This is our, really our only one weapon on offense that we have in scripture in Ephesians 6, praying in the Holy Ghost is another one, but this is really the one that's called the, the sword of the spirit. Uh, our faith is our shield and everything else is defensive, but this is the, this is the only thing that the devil's afraid of. This is the only thing that will bring victory in your life. This is the only thing that's going to rescue a person and change them from the inside out. It's the word of God. Not a religious 
thing. It's, it's knowing the word of God. And guys, let me tell you, tighten your grip. Let 2024 be a year that you, you forever remember this message, that this is the year that you got to tighten your grip. Come on, tell the person next to you, tighten your grip. Tighten your grip because when you get weary, it's so easy to let this go because we get weary. We got to run to school. We got to run the kids after school. We got to run to this. We got daycare or we got after school stuff. And then Pastor Eddie wants us to volunteer at church. You know, you know what I got left, I'll give God. And I need time for just me. And the first thing that goes is the word of God. It does. Everybody would raise your hand if I said, be honest. But the only way to overcome that, guys, is where it's not become a religious duty. You didn't have to beg Eleazar to go grab his sword. He had it on him. He was ready to go, and he grabbed that thing. Was he weary? He was exhausted. But the scripture says that the more tired he got, the more tighter his grip got. Oh, somebody needs to hear this today. The tighter he got, the more the more weary he got, the tighter his grip got on the word of God, where it became one. It became, it became part of who he was, like a reflex, like an, like an instinct. You ever see those reels where it is shown like a baby falling off a couch and a dad would be watching the game? He'll be watching the Lions beat the 49ers today, and he'll be like, go Lions! All of a sudden he'll go, he'll catch that kid before he hits the ground. I mean, there's whole videos on it, right? They're out having a picnic, and a, and a little kid falls off the table. It's like, super hand. I mean, they just do it. What, what is that? That's a parent who's watching the game, which is really cool. But he hasn't forgotten who he is and his responsibility as a dad. It's number one, to look out for his, even when he's not even paying attention. It's so in, in his intrinsic and in who he is that he just, out of reflex, will save his kid. You and I need to be the same way with the word of God. When the enemy comes against your marriage, you need to say, the Holy Spirit will raise a standard up against him. All these scriptures will flow, but you gotta, you got to let the word of God become one. Eleazar would say, you got to tighten your grip. Tighten your grip. Tighten your grip. And let me just say this. When you're weary, if you will get into the habit of reaching for your word, it will keep you from reaching for other things. When you get weary, if you get into a habit to reach for the word when you're weary, it'll keep you from reaching for other things. And when you take that little step further and that word becomes a part of you, it will keep you from staying in places you have no business staying. Where before, when you were weary, you'd be all on that at 11.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, screening those videos and on that TikTok, and all of a sudden, you get over into some situations and things are stirring up. But if you become one with the Word, it's hard to scroll when you got a big old sword in your hand and you're doing this. I'm, I'm telling you this. The, the Holy Spirit's not going to stop us from sinning, but the Holy Spirit will stop you from enjoying it, brother. You won't experience that if he's just something you got to do. Read my daily bread, you know what I'm saying? Because you start drifting. You won't reach for anything else. And even if you do, that word of God is there. When he becomes a part of you, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you through that word and you'll see victory. Guys, this is, this is my life, how I began to, how I've lived this way for 20 some years. It is not being a religious person squirting holy water on me. And praying the rosary. You could do that till your eyes fall out of your head or whatever. The only thing that's going to bring transformation is the word of God. But you've got to know that word of God. 
You got to let it become part of you. It's like buying a gym membership and you just go and sit on the machine and scroll on your phone. And then you complain, this gym stinks, man. I ain't lost no weight at all. I'm telling you, I'm going to go find me another gym. We do that in churches all the time. We do that all the time. God, why don't you make a difference? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? He's saying, you got to tighten your grip, bro. You got to tighten. When's the last time you got into that word? I'm just saying. Okay, looking at me all like this. <laughs> Many leaders have fallen because of this. Leaders. Pastor Eddie, this pastor, he fell into sin. He was such an awesome preacher. What happened? He loosened his grip. He dropped his sword. He quit fighting. That's exactly what he did. It's no mysterious mystery. Paul said, I myself must discipline my flesh and beat my flesh into subjection for fear that after I myself preach, I could become a castaway. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The great apostle said, I have to fight, like, not like a boxer who does shadow boxing. That's what I love to Paul. He used sports analogies because it was relevant to their culture. He used anything to connect these life lessons with, and one of them was fighting. He said, I just don't fight and swing in the air. He said, I get, in, I, I get into the ring. I make my blows count. I make my throws count every time. I'm going to go right to the flesh. I'm going to keep fighting. i got to tighten my grip around the word of God because no weapon formed against this will prosper. Woo! Hallelujah. You got time for another one? Eleazar would say, tighten your grip. Tell that person next to you, tighten your grip. This is a year. You better, you better tighten that grip in 2024. You got to tighten that grip up. Men, hear me, men. We got another men's conference coming. We had 50 go last year. I would love to see 100 of us men go to that men's conference in April. You're going to get blessed off your socks for two days, man, as men gather in, in the presence of the Lord and just, and just absorb the presence of God. We need to go to that. Make a note at the end of April. The dates are coming. Go to that. Guys, it, and I love our church for having so many men in it. It's awesome to see our guys here leading our families. You get it. I'm telling you, if you're growing weary, man, Grab, tighten your grip. He would also tell us, I saw this in verse 10. It says the Philistines gathered and they defied the Philistines. They were speaking out against the culture. He was saying they were making a stand for righteousness. You know, last week we prayed, it was sanctity of life. And so we prayed uh, for the sanctity of life. And, and we thank God for Roe versus Wade was overturned. And we pray, God, that we would have a, we prayed last week about having uh, more value for life. I did not know, speaking of football, Jim Harbaugh, the coach for Michigan Wolverines, former coach, he was at a pro-life rally, and he was the key speaker. Jim Harbaugh, that's why the Wolverines are national champs. I'm telling you, God blessed them. So Campbell, we're sending you a message today. And then someone sent me a video of Jim Harbaugh's brother. Okay, football guys, listen. His brother who coaches the Baltimore Ravens, who I think is going to go to the Super Bowl against the Lions. And uh, John Harbaugh came out to the press conference, and he, he started this press conference with the Bible with Second Chronicles. I just, I, I thank God for men of God. They're not a, a timid and afraid to stand for God. You go to these football games, these guys had their shirts off, painted blue. Ah! And I love it. I'm a football guy. But I just don't think we should come to church and be like this. I, 
I, I, don't, I don't know. Am I wrong? You've got to ask God. Say, God, is that pastor, is he taking it too far with that? I think he deserves it. And I think it's okay to be crazy because you didn't have to beg me to get high back in the day. You didn't have to beg me to do things that were stupid and dumb and crazy. I'm just throwing that out there. They get gathered around the Philistines and they defied the Philistines. And Eleazar was standing there and he wasn't with his elite warriors. He was with the regular army. And the Bible says that the men of Israel retreated. <laughs> How about that? You ever be counting on somebody to have your back and they don't have it? This dude's out there with us. So I'm tightening my grip, Pastor Eddie. I got, I got pray first. I got the life preserver. Hashtag whatever. I'm down. I got the ROL shirt. I'm, getting, I'm in it. And you're feeling good. You turn around and you're all by yourself. Some of you know how that's like. You live in atmospheres and work in places that are like that. Eleazar stood there. And the Bible says the people retreated. But he arose. But he arose. In 2024, church is declining, they say, in some pockets. They say we're declining in this and that. And then you, you have this and that. And if you look at these statistics, don't ever look at statistics. Statistically, the Detroit Lions shouldn't be going where they are. But look at it. Statistics don't mean anything if you get caught up in the numbers. Statistically, I should not be here as a pastor. Statistically, I should be somewhere lost, dead, or in the penitentiary from where I came from. So stats don't mean nothing when you got the word of God and when you got Jesus Christ on your side. It means nothing. It means nothing. But he arose and he went in and he attacked the Philistines. So I think he would say, number two, everyone, you've got to have a made-up mind when all others retreat. Eleazar would stand here and he would say, church, you got to tighten your grip. When you get weary, tighten your grip. And secondly, you got to have a made up mind. You got to make up your mind that you are going to serve God even if everybody else retreats. Oh, please help me preach this today. Help me preach this today. This is truth. This is serious. This is where we got to be. We got to have this. This is what's called, in Dan Campbell's words, because I look like a coach, I was told. This is gritty. Everybody say gritty. This is grit. This is having grit. You got to have grit. Tell your neighbor, get a grip and get some grit. Come on. Oh, that's good. Get a grip. Tighten your grip and get some grit. He's, Eliezer is saying, hey, man, you got to make up your mind. I was watching this thing, and these guys were um, working in Alaska, like on this pipeline or something, but these workers were from Texas. And when they got there, uh, they were freezing to death. They were like, man, I can't take this weather. How are you guys doing it? And the Alaskans were just like, like it was just another day at the office, right? Let me fix this. They were just working on the pipelines like it was nothing. And, they were, and the other guys from Texas was like, how do you guys handle this? And uh, the one guy that represented the Alaskans, he said, he said, it's simply this. We already expect it to be cold. So we know in our mind, our mind's already made up that we're going to be cold. And there's nothing we can do about it. So we just endure you guys from Texas, you think it's cold, but you don't really know it's this cold. And so when you get in here and you start freezing to death, I said, man, that'll preach. Because many people are down for serving Jesus. They're down for the love of God, and we're all down for the love of God. But when you start getting into warfare, and when you start getting into battles, and your marriage begins to go south, or that teenager, or that loved one, you start finding yourself in a battle, you will start to have that temptation to fight or flight. 
You will be there. Every believer is going to have to be there. It's called the point of no return. You will get to that place where you just have a temptation and an opportunity to go back. Some of them did it in the word of God. Many fell away. Here in John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching. In John chapter 6, it says that Jesus taught this very tough uh, message. And he says, and the Bible says, from that time on. Look at here, John 6, 6, 6. You remember that scripture? It says that Jesus was teaching and healing people. And they were all, yeah, Jesus is the man. And then he stopped and he challenged the crowd. And he said, I got to be number one in your life. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then they were like, whoa, has he done lost his mind? And Jesus was like, no, those words were spiritual. What I'm saying is I've got to be just as important to you as food. How many love to eat? How many are getting hungry right now? I'm trying to hurry. Amen. I start talking about food, I'm going to lose you. I mean, food is what we love to do. Jesus said, I need to become such a priority in your life that it's like food. And it says in John 6, from that time on, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. But Jesus had grit. Look what Jesus did. He looked to his disciples and he said, hey, are you also going to go back? I'm like, Jesus, cut him a break. You know, he would have went and said, oh, please, why'd you leave my church? You know, I'm sorry. I, I meant to reword that. You know, I didn't really mean. You know. Jesus was like, are y'all going to leave too? Because if you're going to leave me now, you're really going to leave me when I get on a cross. So I got to get this grit in you right now. Eleazar would say, church, river of life in 2024. If you're on the fence, it's time to get off the fence. It's time to get in the game. It's time to roll up your sleeves and say, hey, I'm down with this grit. I'm all in, as they say again. Boy, this is all over. Somebody sends this message to Dan Campbell. And at halftime tonight, I want him to read this message. Come on, Detroit, keep going. You got that grit. You got to have it. You got to have that grit. And I love what Peter said. Listen, Peter answered that question, and he said, Lord, where else shall we go? Only you. Everybody say, only you. Only you have the words of eternal life. Every believer has got to get to this point where you have come to realize that it's not better without God. James says it this way. Every, everybody say every. Every perfect and good gift comes from God. There is nothing good outside of God. This is what Satan got Eve to believe, that there were still some good things outside of God. She fell for it. You got to get to the place where there's some things that are, you know, in the world, but only God can bring the joy for you to enjoy those things. Everything, only good can come from God. If you're in leadership and you're running a business, run that business with excellence. But realize that only doing it God's way and then putting God in your business, and only that was how it's going to guarantee success. you got to have a made-up mind. I'm going to leave the rest up to life group leaders. Go deeper on that one. But the last thing that Eli, Eli would say to us, he would say this, you must trust your weapon. Why he didn't drop the sword? Because that is a... When you're weary, you're going to drop something. You're not going to naturally hold on tighter. You naturally are going to let stuff go. 
right? At the men's conference, they have this thing in the foyer where you can do pull-ups, and it's a competition with guys, and they have, it's a pretty fun thing. But you'll see guys, one of the competition, to see how long you can hold there. When, and you hold there, and there's a lot of buff guys that jump up there, you know, these 19-year-olds, you know. And everyone has a threshing point. And then they start going, <laughs> and then down they go. You can't hold it. It's your natural instinct. Eleazar did the exact opposite when he was tired. He, he, something kicked in, and I, I, think, I think he held on to that sword, not with his hands, but with his heart. And that's how this word of God is. And the last point is this, is because he trusted in the word of God. Eleazar would stand here and he would say, man, I, I, used that, I chose that weapon because you can, that's a reliable weapon. I, I didn't drop it and try something else in the middle of my battle. I hung to the sword because the sword works. I didn't change it because we were outnumbered. I didn't change it because my friends left me. I didn't change my plan and change my course because I'm the only one standing and I'm tired. No, I hung to this sword because I believe that it works. Do you believe that God's word works? The word of God works. You got to believe that the word of God works. So many scriptures, Psalms 20 verse 7 says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I trust in the name of the Lord. Look at Isaiah 55. This is our last scripture. Isaiah 55, I love this. It says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven. Look at today. Look, why do we have this snow? I'm the first one to complain. Look what the Bible says. Because it does not return but it waters the earth. We need this, all this moisture because pretty soon those tulips are going to start coming up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Spring's coming. But it's a little word. It's a little word picture right here. But he says rain comes down. The, the snow comes down and it's a nuisance, but it has a purpose. It does something in the earth. It does something in the earth. It, it is preparing us for spring. Watch this. Then it says this. So does my word. It goes forth from my mouth, and it will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please. The word works. He says this word works. Eleazar said, I hung to that sword because I knew sooner or later I was going to get a victory. Listen, if you're weary today, are you tired? Are you weary? And your hand might be slipping a little bit and letting the word go. I'm telling you, hold on tight. Hold on tight. Where they say when you're at the end of the rope, you know, tie a knot. I get it. It's, it's really what this is all about. Hold on because it, well, here's the last point, because it works. It really does work. And you got to believe that. You gotta believe that and stand on it. And there's many times you're not gonna feel like it works. Eliezer, I'm sure he's so tired, he probably couldn't even think straight. So many people, Jesus was weary and he sat down by the well, but you know what? He didn't quit. He said, I still gotta minister to this lady, this woman, this Samaritan woman. There was a racial thing there. He was weary. I get weary of racial tension. I, get, I got this conversation with this guy. I mean, you know, he won't, you know, he has to come to a church because, you know, he, he, it's hard for him to receive from a white pastor. 
And, and I'm saying, are we this shallow that, that, that we're, so, we're, so, we're so caught in on these little silly little things? I, I get weary from this. I get weary from politics and watching the news. I, I get weary from these things, and, and, and it makes you just want to stop. And, I know, and what it does is God is saying, listen, you need to sit down by the well sometimes. You need to sit down by the well sometimes. And you look at the big picture and say, I know I'm weary, but you can't let that weariness stop you. You can't let the weariness stop you. As Jesus sat there, even though he was tired, he looked over and he said to the woman, he said, I'm thirsty. She said, I'm thirsty. First of all, she said, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. We got this racial thing going on. Jesus said, I don't care about race. There's got to be some things that transcends our little boxes. And that's what I love about the kingdom of God. That's what I love about Jesus. Because he transcends all of that. And he began to minister to the woman at the well, and we saw a great revelation. So I'm going to end with this scripture right here. Let's all stand to our feet. If we stand to our feet, Jesus says this in Matthew. I love it. As the worship team comes, and I got to get up front. We got this meeting in just a minute, but we're not in a hurry. Let him clear the roads. <laughs> Listen, this is the moment. Has the Holy Spirit spoke to you through this word? Jesus says this, come to me, all you who labor, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Some of you during worship, you done let it go. That's awesome. Let it flow down that river. Don't pick it back up again. You gave it to God. Every time you feel that pressure, every time you feel that burden, you need to give it to the Lord. You need to give it to God. But I want to ask you today, are you weary? How many are weary? You're just like weary. This message is from amen. It's hands up everywhere. Weary. You're just weary. As we close this service out, I want to pray over you. You need to receive prayer, absolutely. Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for challenging us, God. We got to tighten our grip. And some of us are just living so loose. We're living so loose with the word of God and our standards. And God, it's time to tighten our grip. Thank you for the word. Thank you for Eleazar, for, for this word, God. Father, many of us, God, maybe between two decisions, we've kind of drifted. We've got to make up our mind. Maybe we're standing alone and it's so hard to stand alone. We're weary of being the only one coming to church out of our whole family. We're the only ones standing for truth. We're the only voice in our office. We're the only ones in our family when we get together. I don't even talk about you, God, because no one else serves you and it turns into a religious debate. And God, I'm just so weary. And I'm going to make up my mind, God, that I'm going to continue to go as Jesus did, even though he was weary, because your word works. So we're going to just end by worshiping one more time. And altar team, why don't you come up to the front? If you need prayer, I'm going to invite you to come and get, get prayer before you go, especially those of you that are weary. Come on, you need, are you weary? Come and get some prayer today. I'm gonna... 
Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.